You're listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast, where our focus is helping people to connect to God, change, and thrive in life. Jesus, toward the end of his time on earth, is spending time with his disciples, and he does this thing where he... um, he sits down with them, and this is recorded, the Apostle John records this in John 13, and he, he sits down with them, and he washes their feet, and he tells them, listen, uh, you'll be blessed if you do these things. Like, in other words, take, wash each other's feet, take care of each other. And then he transitions, and he starts talking about um, uh, some other item, uh, uh, primarily uh, what he promises them. He says, listen, I'm going to be leaving. He starts telling them, he says, I'm going to be leaving, but it's going to be so good that I leave because what's going to happen is wh- and who's going to come is going to be, it's going to change. It's just going to change the world. He's going to change everything. And Jesus introduces his followers, his disciples to what he calls uh, or what the scriptures record as the advocate or the helper. Um, and another term being the Holy Spirit, that he's going to come and teach you these things and remind you of his teachings. In fact, John records Jesus saying, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's actually for it's for your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me concerning righteousness because I go to the father and you will see me no longer concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And in the spirit, he says, it's actually going to be so good for you that I leave because this Holy Spirit is going to come down and it's going to come. He's going to come with so much power and he has a role to play in what and what will happen in and around the world after Jesus leaves. And this this spirit, this Holy Spirit is going to do incredible things. And Jesus, after speaking about this, he he prays for unity. And then after his prayer, all the events that he predicted come into play. He's betrayed. He's arrested. He's falsely accused. He's flogged. He's crucified. And the disciples who had heard this promise, they flee in fear. And they've forgotten about Jesus' promise that this helper was going to come to them. And then he surprises all of them by raising from the dead the resurrection of Jesus. And while he's with them, he reminds them Guys, just wait for the Holy Spirit. This promise of your father, he's going to be poured out on you with great power. Now, the disciples, imagine being one of the disciples and listening to Jesus. And you're like, what what am I waiting for? What am I looking for? Who is this? What does he look like? And we see the unfolding, the unleashing of God's Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, he comes down with great power. like, And it describes it. He says, uh, uh, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, he describes it as there were like tongues of fire around them. And a great roaring wind comes around them. And, and they leave the place where they were meeting. And they go into the city streets. And they start proclaiming that Jesus is Lord and Messiah in all languages. And the apostles begin to do miracles. And Peter gets up and preaches what is known as the first sermon and the church. And 3,000 people get baptized in one day. Convicted, inspired, challenged because of the power 
of God's Holy Spirit. The beginning of the church, this gathering, this, this, as I've said before, this ecclesia was not started by a plan for missions or any kind of strategy. It was the power of the Holy Spirit, the uncontainable Holy Spirit of God, God himself dwelling amongst the believers and moving and breathing life into and doing his work, empowering and guiding the mission of God that he had placed on the church. You know, a quick survey of the book of Acts would tell us that the hero, the centerpiece of the whole story of the early church was and is the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts, the title of it, they usually call it the Acts of the Apostles because the apostles did all these incredible things. But one would say that, in fact, it wasn't really the apostles. It wasn't the Acts of the Apostles. It was the acts of the Holy Spirit. He's the hero. Jesus had told them, you guys are going to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. But these guys heard that and they're like, what what does that even mean? I'm not going to try to move somewhere. I'm right here in Jerusalem. And the Spirit had to move them out into the streets to proclaim the gospel. And 3,000 are baptized in one day. And now all of a sudden... At a drop of a hat, now the apostles are leading a church of 3,000 plus people that they didn't have relationships with prior to that day. And they've got to train them now in the gospel. And in chapter 3 of the book of Acts, we see Peter healing a paralyzed man, but he probably didn't know he could even do that. Think about it. Peter's walking up to go to the to place of prayer, and this paralyzed man is saying, hey, give me some money. And Peter says, actually, no, I have something better for you, and ends up getting this guy to walk. Do you think Peter planned that out? That was a Holy Spirit moment. Chapter 4, Peter preaches before the Sanhedrin. And in that situation, he had no idea what to say. He didn't have time to go to the commentaries and figure out the Greek of everything. And he didn't know. And yet the Holy Spirit spoke through him. And gave him what to say. In chapter 5, a couple lies about their tithe. They're deceitful about their tithe. And Peter goes to confront them. And what happens? The dude drops dead. You better be careful with your tithe. I'm not going to talk about it here today, but I'm just saying. In the first church, it was so serious. The deceitfulness and and the culture of the church was so into generosity and giving to one another and helping each other. That for this one couple to be deceitful, to still give, but be deceitful about it. The Holy Spirit was like, no, 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 no. That's not how we're going to run things over here. And the guy drops dead. And because the wife knew about it and comes and finds him, she's like, I didn't know what was going on. She drops dead. Talk about midweek that week. I don't think Peter went into that situation saying, you know what, here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to figure out a way for them to drop dead. I don't think 
that he thought that. This was not a planned out conversation. You guys follow me here? This was an act of the Holy Spirit working through his people to accomplish the mission, the task that God had set before them. Peter had no one to get advice from. Really? He had to trust the Holy Spirit. I don't think he wanted these people to die. Chapter 6. There's some racism in the church. There's some prejudice in the church. There's some complaining and criticism in the church. And the apostles, they want to help meet the need in the church. But they say, you know, we cannot neglect the, the role that God's given us to preach the word and to pray. In fact, we need to find guys who are going to be able to take care of this situation in the church. Because there's a group of widows that were not Jewish, that, that were having a hard time because they were not receiving enough, as much food as the Jewish widows. And so there's some prejudice, there's some discrimination. We sometimes read the, early, the, 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 the church in the book of Acts and we think, wow, I want to be part of that church. Are you sure? No church is perfect. There's going to be drama. And we see it in the scriptures. There's drama. But you know, one of, the, one of the qualifications of these men that was going to be able to distribute food, he had to be full of the Holy Spirit. It had to be evident in his life that he was a man full of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gave him the direction to find these men to serve in this capacity. All this, chapter 3, 4, 5, 6, this is not over a few weeks' time. This is describing in the years as the beginning of the church was starting. The whole time, there's no missions plan. No one was talking about leaving Jerusalem. They loved being together in Jerusalem. But God had other plans, and so His Spirit had to get them going again because you cannot contain the Spirit. He's going to do His work. And so Stephen, one of the guys that was appointed... To serve food to the widows, full of the Holy Spirit, Stephen gets murdered and killed because of his faith. And there's a great persecution that scatters the leadership of the church. And God says, yes, now I'm going to show up even more. Because these guys are going to go and start preaching in the outside communities, in Samaria, to those who are not completely Jewish, but half Jewish. And then we get to chapter 10. And the Spirit does something unheard of. And He has to do it in dramatic fashion in order to get the attention of one of the church's greatest leaders, Peter, one of Jesus' best friends. Peter is on a roof praying. And he's in a trance. And he gets this vision of food, oh, not food, of of reptiles and animals and the angel of the lord tells him eat this and he says i'm not going to touch that this is not kosher this is this is unclean food i will not even touch that and he has this same dream three times over in the same instance cornelius a centurion somebody who's not even jewish is over here and he has a vision hey go find peter he has something to tell you they don't know each other. But who's working here? The Holy Spirit. He sends some of his guys over to Joppa. They find Peter. 
Peter says, I just had this vision. The angel told me to talk to you. Let's go. I don't know what's going to happen, but let's go. What do you have for me? They go over to see Cornelius. Cornelius is like, yo, welcome to my home. I got all my neighbors here. I got all my family here. I got my friends. And Peter begins to preach about Jesus. It was unlawful for a Jewish person to be in the home of a non-Jewish person. Does that make sense? I mean, this was against the law for this to happen. And Peter starts preaching to Jesus, to, about Jesus in Cornelius' home. And in Acts chapter 10, verse 44, we see something amazing happen. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to remain for some days. This is amazing. The Holy Spirit had to make his point in a great way. This is one of the only times, see, because Holy Spirit and water baptism go together. This is one of the only times that the Holy Spirit was poured out or given to people without water baptism first. The Spirit making the point that this was God's will. You guys follow me here? That His plan was for all nations, for all ethnicities, for all peoples. And it's why we're even here today. I'm not Jewish. Herb, are you Jewish? You're not Jewish. The only reason why we're here today is because of this instance in history. The Holy Spirit being poured out on a bunch of Gentiles and Peter being convinced, well, who am I? Let's baptize these guys. This changed the direction of the whole church. All of a sudden, what was a primarily Jewish church was about to become overwhelmingly Gentile and would cause some of the greatest Issues in the early church that Paul the Apostle ended up spending most of his time addressing in the other letters that he wrote to churches. Peter, after experiencing this, returned to Jerusalem. And the disciples there, some of the disciples there are offended that Gentiles are now receiving the Holy Spirit and being welcomed into the family of God. Peter gets up and begins to tell them the whole story. And he defends himself and he concludes with this statement. As I began to speak, he's talking to this group that is offended. He says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them, gave the same gift to them as he gave to us, when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I would stand in God's way? And when they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. I love Peter's response. Who was I that I could stand in God's way? 
Isn't that you and me sometimes? So many times in our lives, the Spirit may be about to do something incredible, amazing, beyond our wildest dreams, but our fears, our insecurities, our experiences from the past, some good, some bad, get in the way of what He's trying to do. Another occurrence where the Spirit gets involved in the direction of the early church is found when Paul has a plan to travel somewhere, and yet his plans get changed by the power of the Spirit. You ever had a plan to go somewhere, and then that plan just completely fails? Or it goes sideways, or you end up going somewhere completely different from where you thought you were first headed to? That's frustrating. That's not fun to deal with. Paul says here in Acts 16, they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Look at this. Having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Why would the Holy Spirit do something like that? I thought the Holy Spirit wanted the church to get to everywhere. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. What? I want to go into Bithynia. The Bithynians need to hear the word of God. And the Spirit said, no, Paul. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Paul tried getting into Phrygia and Galatia, but was forbidden by the Holy Spirit. He tried getting into Bithynia, but the Spirit said no. God wanted him somewhere else. The Holy Spirit was absolutely active and empowering the mission of the early church in an amazing way. Here's why I'm talking about this. I don't... My fear... One of my fears is that we would become a church that does not listen to the Holy Spirit or trust his direction. One of our five core goal, core values as a church is to be a spirit-led church. It means that we are attuned to the spirit. Where is he leading us? Where is he guiding us? Some, some of that means that our idea of where he's guiding us may not be exactly where he's guiding us. He may be doing something else. But are we in tune with that? We need to be a church that is open to being led by the Spirit. Sometimes our approach or our way of doing things may not be God's ways of doing things. And we need to learn to be open to God's Spirit. I've been reading a lot about this. I've been studying about this. I've got a lot to say about this today. I hope that you're okay with me saying some of the things I'm about to say here. But, you know, I haven't preached here for a few weeks, so i got a lot to say. So I've been studying about this Holy Spirit. I've been, I've, I've been trying to understand Him more in my life as well as just how He affects the church, the collective, the community. And I do sense... God's Spirit revealing things to us over the years. I hope that you feel that way as well. In our DNA as a church, for example, in our DNA as a church, 
We are very big on Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing the name of the... We, we, we can quote that. If you're a member of the church here, you can quote that like, like that. Now, if you're new to the church here, if you're first time here, I want to talk about some things for the church membership so you get a little inside look into what I'm talking about, all right? Um, and then you can judge whether you want to come back next week or not. <laughs> okay, so one of the things that we're so good at is helping people become Christians, making disciples of all nations. But I think the Holy Spirit has revealed something. We are not good at teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. The most difficult part of the Great Commission, to stay faithful. And so we'll baptize a bunch of people, and our front door is wide open, but the back door is wide open as well. That bothers me. That bothers me. That we spend all our time evangelizing and helping people, which is right and good, and this is where God wants us to go. But man, for everyone that gets baptized, another one or two leave. Why? Well, it's because the Holy Spirit's revealing something. His people, his church, needs to get a lot better at teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. This means one another relationships. That means going to a stinking parenting workshop. This means going to a marriage retreat. This means going to the Catalyst Singles Retreat. This means all the things that the church does to help train disciples to stay faithful as disciples. Just do it. The Holy Spirit is providing this. We're over here complaining that midweek takes up too much of my time. Or a Bible talk or small group or whatever you want to call it. I don't know what you want to call it. And we get all like, oh, I've got so much on my plate. I can't make it to another gathering. And then we compromise on the gathering. And we compromise on the one another relationship. And we compromise on, on just the basic habits of being a Christian. And we compromise and we say, oh, I didn't have time to pray today, so I'll just pray tomorrow. And then all of a sudden, you're in a spot that you thought you'd never be in. Man, I don't even know. I don't even want to go. They got live stream now, so I'm just going to live stream. I don't even want to meet with that brother. I, don't, I can't even read my Bible. And your faith starts dwindling and dwindling and dwindling. Church, we've got to get better at teaching them to obey everything that he has obeyed. This is, this is the Holy Spirit. This is not just here in GLB Church, guys. This is across the board. This is something that the Holy Spirit is revealing in our church movement. We've been really great at planting churches and mission, and we need to continue that focus. But we're never going to mature and become the image of the body of Christ, of the, of the glory of Christ, if we don't focus wholeheartedly at the same, with the same amount of energy and passion on the teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. You guys follow me on here? God's Spirit didn't stop His work in Acts. He didn't stop His work in the book of Acts. He's still at work today. We, as the body of Christ, just need to be open to his direction. Amen, church? You know, God has surprised me so many times over the past few years. You ever been surprised by God? You ever just taken, just sat back and say, okay, 
I did not think that was going to happen, but that happened. Some good, some bad. There are people that I thought would, would never make it to the waters of baptism, but made it to the waters of baptism. There are people who I thought would never desert God, but end up leaving God. I studied with an individual, I studied the Bible with an individual who came to our worship service one time, and he got baptized that afternoon, and I never that, thought that that could happen. He's still faithful today. I thought you had to go through like all these hoops to, start to become a Christian. And I'm like, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. He's come to convict the world of sin. In 2014, when I said, hey, we should do a downtown ministry. You know what's the funny thing about, about the Holy Spirit? Is sometimes you have a timeline and the Holy Spirit has a different time. So in 2014, I was looking at my notes the other day. In 2014, I said at a, at a, at a gathering, hey, we, we want to be a, a church that goes and, and starts another ministry in the downtown Long Beach ministry, in the downtown Long Beach area. And we're going to do it by 2015, 2016, the latest. Well, we didn't do it until 2018. Four years. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the Holy Spirit. And I didn't think that the downtown ministry would be... I didn't know if it would be a success, if it would stick, and yet God's Spirit... Is that work? We have about 45 to 60 people meeting on the downtown side right now. God surprised me. You know, I wasn't sure if we, if Marina and I would be able to lead the church at this size effectively with, with just the family dynamics and responsibilities that we have with our own family. And yet God brought people, kind of dropped people into the GLB church to serve and help carry the load in an incredible way. This is a church that is rich with mature disciples, faithful Christians, who are able and equipped to teach them to obey everything. You guys follow me in there? Surprised me. I didn't think we'd be able to be a self-supporting, financial, financially self-supporting church because of our large campus ministry and just... Uh, you know, just different dynamics. I didn't think we'd do, and yet God has provided and led us to not just be self-supporting financially, but to have a very healthy reserves in our savings because of the advice and the Holy Spirit moving. It's interesting how the Holy Spirit just surprises you. You know what I'm saying? Over and over, I have thought I may know better or think better or a specific direction is better, and yet the Spirit surprises me. And shows me a different way or a better way or other spirit-led people who are more capable to do his work. Does that make sense? You know, in our movement, one of the things that the spirit... I want to talk about a couple things in the church here that is going to help propel us forward to be spirit-led. You guys follow me here? In our movement of churches, the spirit directed us for many years and led us to plant churches all over the world. In fact, in June, we're going to take up our missions contribution to help churches in Mexico and Central America and, and in the Middle East. And this was our culture, to be a planting movement. It's, still, it's ingrained in our DNA. We need to plant. We need to send people out. But I believe God's Spirit is now shifting a little bit. So we've got to be sensitive to God's Spirit. He's allowing us, He's leading us maybe to go a little bit deeper. To go deeper in our relationships with each other. To get deeper into the community in that we live in. 
And the question that continues to haunt me, and I pray and hope it haunts us together as a church, is if we ceased to exist, would our community even notice? Would they miss us? Would they even know that we ceased to exist? And that haunts me. It's a good, it's a good haunting question. Because it makes me want to be more attuned to the Holy Spirit. It makes me want to look for opportunities for us to be a light in our community. Not just, not just as a church, but even individually as a family. And it's led to so much prayer and discussion and surveying. And this whole idea of possibly getting an, a, a permanent facility, a, a church building for the Greater Long Beach Church. And I, I talked about this back in 2016 because we had gone to a conference and been inspired and, oh, yeah, this, is, this would be a great idea, I wonder. And again, in the moment, I was like, we, we, wanna, we, don't even have, we don't even have the plan to have a building fund. That's not even within our scope of thinking. And yet, and so I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but a few years ago I shared about, well, we want to uh, start a capital campaign to be able to uh, get into a spot financially that we would be able to get a facility someday in a way of being a footprint in the community, that the, that the facility is not the goal. the goal. The facility is just a tool to accomplish God's mission that he's given to the church. And it was interesting how the Holy Spirit moved because in that time I realized, as excited as I was about it, and many disciples expressed excitement about it, it just wasn't the right time. There are some things that we needed to get aligned, different things that we needed to work on as a church that I personally needed to work on in my leadership. I mean, just different things. And, and it's so funny because you want to do things now. I mean, my personality is, let's get this done now. You know, I want to go fast. But God is always like, hey, take it easy, man. Let's, one step at a time, one conversation at a time. And it's good for my heart. Here's the way I land about this whole church building thing and the, and the capital campaign and everything like that, which I'm excited that we're going to be doing that this year, actually, 2019. We're going to be starting this capital campaign. But here's the thing about the Holy Spirit in this. If this is not God's will, just like with Paul, his spirit will make it very clear. But we won't know if we don't try. So I say, let's not put the spirit in a box. Just because it was like this or like that years ago doesn't necessarily mean it means it needs to be like that now. Will we trust and follow the Holy Spirit or will he, we put him in a box? He can only work if we have church in this way. If we put him in a box, the spirit is uncontainable. He'll explode out and do whatever he wants to do. And so I want to encourage us. We've done thorough investigation in terms of the, the, how the church feels about this idea of launching a, cap, a three-year capital campaign to raise funding to get us in a position financially to, to possibly uh, get into a church building. 
I'm not even promising a church building. I'm just saying, let's financially get ourselves in a position if the Spirit allows it. And I say it, and, and, and as we've done this, I realize, you know what? If the Holy Spirit doesn't want us to do it, he'll make it very clear. In fact, in the past few months, it's been so encouraging meeting with so many disciples, hearing the vision that so many disciples have about having a tool like this to be a footprint in the community and get deeper ingrained into the fabric of our community. And it's really cool to think about it. And I want to encourage you, if, you're, if you want to help put this capital campaign together, talk to Dick G. Dick is, is kind of organizing, coordinating this whole thing. We need everybody. This is, this is for all of us on board. Amen, church? Are we attentive, though, to the Holy Spirit? That he may be taking us in a direction that we just need to trust. Just like with Peter and the Gentiles. It was great that Cornelius got baptized that day and was converted. But the one who needed the, most con- the biggest conversion was Peter. The Holy Spirit converted Peter to believe, finally, that Gentiles could be welcomed into the kingdom of God. I don't know where the Holy Spirit is taking us, guys, but let's jump on his wave and ride it and see where he takes us. And if we crash and fall, we're going to crash and fall together. Everybody looks at me with a questioning face. Well, amen? Question? We're falling in this together. Amen, church? You know, it's a few instances. As we see through the book of Acts, the Spirit always works through men and women. We see a pattern in Acts that those who served in the church, in church roles in leadership, were men and women who were attuned and filled with the Holy Spirit. We see a few instances where this is clear and obvious, and we just read one in Acts 10, where Peter, led by the Spirit, is taking the gospel message to the Gentiles and opening that door. And I want to read, this is another kind of where the Holy Spirit may be guiding us and leading us uh, here in GLB, uh, and I want us to read some of this to understand. Uh, It says here in Acts chapter 6, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now you may see, you may think about that and look at that and be like, Wow, these guys are kind of stuck up. No, they're, they're realizing they've got a responsibility and a gift set that... Even though they want to help and serve in this way, they're not able to do. Does that make sense? And so they're like, we can't neglect preaching the word to serve tables. And let's do this. Brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The apostles were dealing with an issue of prejudice and racial division in the church. They could have dealt with it. And most, likely wanted, and most likely they wanted themselves to meet that specific need. But instead they chose seven men full of the Spirit. So there's evidence in their lives of being Spirit-led and full of wisdom. And the church chose these men as servants in the church to carry out a specific task. This instance provided a pattern in the church where different men and women carried, around, carried out specific roles in the church led by the Spirit. This term, serving tables, goes along the lines of leadership in God's kingdom. Servant leadership. In other words, if you're going to be a leader in God's kingdom, you have a towel and you're saying, how can I serve you? What can I do? How can I help you? Take off your shoes. Let me wash your feet. This this is servant 
leadership in the kingdom of God. The Spirit is very active in giving the church leadership who are servants and prioritize servitude. One role in the Bible that we have not given much acknowledgement to or even appointed is this role of the deacon. And it comes from this word diakonos, which means servants. And in the pattern of the early church, you had elders, you had evangelists, you had teachers, and you had deacons. And these are biblical roles. And, and so I'm, I'm excited to share with you today that, that we're taking a step of faith in the Holy Spirit and trusting the Spirit to appoint four deacon couples here in the GLB church this year. Now, I'm going to share their names with you. And I, but before I do, I want, to, I want to read the qualities that are outlined in Scripture of who God views as capable to be in this role. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, not, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one, one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Here's the deal. I, it's our desire. It's my desire. And I think most of us here would say this. It's our desire to be a church that is aligned a bit more with God's word. And that we use terminology from God's word that would help us in developing a fuller leadership structure and team in the congregation. I also think it's important to see who God wants in certain leadership roles in the church. It doesn't necessarily have to do with ability or task, but more so the character of the individual than anything else. If you see right there in this passage, these are all character issues. Character qualities. And so in our attempt to be a spirit-led church, what I want to do is, this, is, this has been a few months of prayer and discussion uh, with several in our core group as well as uh, different uh, leaders within the congregation. I want to present some names before you as our first round of deacons to be appointed in the GLB church because there's a lot of people here who would be deacons. But, but I say first round because we have many qualified disciples amongst our church family here. And, and so we may see more deacons appointed in the near future, but we want to start with these. Okay, you guys ready? Are, we here, are you here with me here about this deacon thing? This is kind of a big deal as a church here, guys. Um, four couples. Stephen and Sheila Wright. Brian and Karen Plymel, these are the names we want to put before you. George and Sarah Matthew and Dave and Diane Ford. These are the brothers and sisters that we want to put before you as, as potential appointees to this role of, of the deacon in the church. And I'm really excited about this. I'm, I'll take this off for you, Sarah. I know you don't want to look at yourself this whole time. Um, she, <laughs> Okay, we'll put it back on. Um, here's the thing. What we want to do uh, in, in, in a way here is we want to give this month, the month of March, as a month of testing. And so what I want to ask you as a, as a member of the church here is that um, if you have questions about this role or questions about these individuals serving in this role, that you would come, uh, or, or, or issues, or, you know, 
you don't like Dave Ford's haircut or something. I don't know. <laughs> that, that you come and uh, that you speak to me or Marina or you speak to one of our elders, uh, Joe Eads or Dick G or their wives, Anna or Sarah, that you speak to one of us and share your concerns, thoughts, you know, whatever uh, about that. And I'm excited. Here's the thing. I'm excited, though, that to be able to continue seeing the church mature and align ourselves a little bit more with God's word. Amen. Um, the Holy Spirit is uncontainable. He's still working and he has a lot of work to do through the church. There's a mission that God has given us and that the Spirit is empowering us to do. But my question will be, are we even aware of this? Are we aware of what he's doing? Some of us may think, how do I know if it's the Spirit? Well, when it aligns with God's word and faith and obedience are involved, then you can just trust it might be from the Spirit. Amen. That guy who's talking to you at work and makes you feel great about yourself and you're over here thinking that if you go out with him a few times, you can share your faith and, with him and because that's what the Spirit is telling you to do. That's, I, I don't think that's what the Spirit, I don't think that's what we're talking about here. The Spirit is probably not telling you that you don't need discipling relationships, or that, those, that only those gifted with the gift of evangelism should evangelize, or that your tithe is too much so you need to lower it so you can go on that vacation. I don't think that's Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit, when your decisions align with God's Word, with faith, with obedience, you can be probably sure that's probably the Holy Spirit saying something here. The Spirit is active when we are obeying God's word, when we are stepping out on faith because of that obedience. And the Spirit is working when his fruit is being evident in our lives. Self-control, joy, love, gentleness. There's a lot of work to do, church. God has given us a mission. His Spirit is dwelling amongst us and working right now. We don't have time to complain or doubt or mistrust. There are lost souls to be saved, the poor to be served, captives to be set free, a full life to be experienced in Christ, gifts that he has given you to use for his glory. Let's trust God's spirit. Amen. Your move. This week, I want you to pray. I want you to pray to be aware of God's spirit. Pray that God can show you God's spirit, that you can pray that he can reveal himself to you, that he can reveal where, where it is that he's speaking to you, where, where it is that he is guiding you and directing you. What is he showing you that you need to give up or use for his glory? Some of you have gifts that you are more using in, uh, in the secular world and aren't using them to, to serve in the kingdom of God. And I want to challenge you. Pray. We have so many needs. And I'm not just talking about our Sunday gatherings. I'm talking about needs just across the board. And then I want to challenge you to obey. Some of you have been sitting on the sidelines, just okay with coming to church on Sundays. I don't think when you were baptized, you thought you'd just come to church on Sundays. Well, for some reason, you've lost a little bit of juice in your Christian walk. I want to challenge you. It's time to get back in the game. 
We need mentors for young Christians, servants in our gym ministry, more family group leaders, different types of ministries to reach different people. Fitness ministry, health ministry, young moms ministry, empty nesters ministry, basketball ministry, surf ministry, meetup group ministry. I don't care. Just make up a ministry. Whatever it's going to take for the Holy Spirit to use you to reach people that are not being reached. Where is he prodding you? Stop neglecting him and obey. And I said the last thing I want to share with you is here. Start reading the book of Deuteronomy. That's just a little tangent. Because next week, we're starting a new sermon series out of the book of Deuteronomy. And we're asking the question every week, will you fill in the blank? Will you trust? Will you serve? Will you obey? Will you choose life? And we're going to kind of walk through certain parts of the book of Deuteronomy, get some Old Testament in the church. Are you guys excited about some Old Testament? Pray, obey, and start reading the book of Deuteronomy. Paul says this. I told you I had a lot of loss to say today. I'm sorry, guys. I won't do this next Sunday. I promise. It'll be a lot shorter and more concise. <laughs> Acts 20. And now, compelled by the Spirit. This is Paul talking to the Ephesian elders. Compelled by the Spirit. I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's Grace, let us be compelled by the spirits. Let's consider our lives worth nothing with the only aim is to finish the race, to complete the task the Lord has given us. Pray to be aware of God's spirit and where he's prodding you and then obey. And see what happens. Can you imagine if we had just more Christians obeying the Holy Spirit and living by the Holy Spirit. If you're not a Christian, if you're just here and you're trying to figure out your faith, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit's doing something in your heart as well. You may not have him within you, but he is doing something. He's keeping you up at night, making you wonder why you feel empty. Why you're so sad all the time? Why you're anxious? He's allowing that bad thing or that difficult thing to happen in your life so that you could turn to God. God's Spirit is working. He's powerful. And you and I cannot contain Him. If we won't be that Spirit-led church, the Holy Spirit will just go find somewhere else and use some other people. And I don't want to become that. I want us to be aware of the Spirit, to be guided by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to be attuned and compelled by the Spirit, to be who He wants us to be. I want to close out with this. I'm going to have both of our elders, Joe Eads and Dick G, come up, and they're going to say a closing prayer for us, and then we will be dismissed uh, for a time of fellowship. And I asked them to come... Hey, Joe, Dick, are you guys here? All right. Is Joe here?
I asked these guys to come up here um, because the Bible does talk about how the Holy Spirit gives elders to the church to provide the oversight and help shepherd the flock. And so I asked these men to come and and close us out in prayer as we consider being not considered, but but decide and grow in being a spirit led church. And so what I'd like to ask everybody to do is we can all stand up. I want us to grab arm in arm, cross the aisles here. Let's get a little uncomfortable. Let's let's bridge the bridge the aisles there and let's get arm in arm. And I want to ask uh, Joe and Dick to close us out with a word of prayer. And then we will be dismissed after this prayer. We will be dismissed for a time of fellowship. Amen. Father God, we are excited, Father, to hear what the Spirit has in store for us. I pray that we are a church that does follow the Spirit, that we allow ourselves to be led by you, that we search out what the Spirit wants, and and, and uh, that we eagerly wait in anticipation. I, I just thank you for just the examples of how the Spirit uh, guided the, the, the early church, Father. Um, I, I'm excited about the things we talked about today. Uh, God, that that uh, we, we do have the opportunity to put a footprint in the community, Father, that we could build a future for next uh, uh, for for the next generation that we have that we have the opportunity to 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 uh, build a house for you that could uh, uh, reach out and um, and and just uh, make us more effective and 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 launch us into the future, Father. God, help us in 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 uh, in in starting that capital campaign that uh whether whatever your time is that we would at least uh be in a position to uh be ready father um god thank you for the names that were put before us as deacons father and uh god we we know that uh in the age of of all of us uh feeling the temptation of not wanting to uh, to to give more to uh, of our time of our effort uh, of of uh, that we would heed the call of the spirit uh, to really want to serve in the church serve in the kingdom and I pray that you will bless uh, not only these couples but the couples to come that we will uh, make our church stronger uh, because of the deacons that we're able to appoint uh, but God we. Uh, uh, and the final thing, I, I know as exciting as it is to, to be led by the Spirit, it could be, a, be a, a little bit scary because it calls us to obey. Right. It calls us to follow the Spirit. And I pray as a church that we are heeding that call, that you, you allow us to be humbled, that you allow us to want to really make sure that we make those decisions yes. and, uh, and, and obey the Spirit. Uh, Father, we thank you, and we pray this in your son's name. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that even in our lives now, Father, you still can show us which way we need to go. Father, we thank you that we have learned today that we just need to help each other learn to obey. And, Father, I know I'm convicted. I am so convicted that I can get distracted by so many things in this world and I forget what's most important for you is to seek and save the lost. Father, help us to be able to be your champions in this world because, Father, I know that there's not many 
that will take up the banner to fight the fight of the faith, to stay faithful, to take the long haul. But, Father, we know with faith and with your spirit we can do all things. Father, as we make history in this church, Father, help our eyes to be open wide to what we can do, not what we can't do, because, Father, we can do so much. Father, being led by your spirit, Father, we know that the first is first and the second is second. The first thing, Father, is to give you the glory in all things. And second is to look out for each other. Father, help us as a church to bridge the gap when it comes to the community. Because, Father, they need someone. Because, Father, what we have, Father, you have given it to us to share, and we want to do that. Father, thank you for Reuben and Marina just leaving us, leading us, Father, in a great charge. I just, I'm just so grateful, just, even just to know them during this time in my life. Father, but they have given so much, and they have so much more to give. Let us give each other. Let us give as well. Father, I pray this morning that as a church, we can all rally around all of the things that's going to be happening. Father, with the deacons, I pray, Father, that you protect their families because I understand that Satan will attack them. But, Father, with our help, with our prayers, Father, we know we can keep them safe. Father, we pray this morning. Father, for just a glorious Sunday. And every Sunday be a glorious Sunday because we are doing some great stuff. And, Lord, I am so excited. Father, help us to know that you are front. And, Father, we can just ride. It's awesome. We love you. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast. For more information about our church, please visit greaterlongbeachchurch.com.